Welcome to the Breaking Expectations podcast. This podcast is a safe space for women of color to hold open and honest conversations. We highlight the amazing stories of women of color who have faced adversity, and although they have encountered all these things, they have persevered and broken expectations. Join us as we explore a variety of thought-provoking topics and break expectations. What's up, guys? I'm your host, Janae, and I would like to welcome you to another episode of Breaking Expectations. I am super excited to start this series called Ambitious Women of Color in Tulsa. In this series, we are going to be highlighting women of color who have lacked resources, low income, went through various events of adversity, and although they have faced all these problems, they have persevered and broken expectations. So today we have a very special guest with us. I know her as Keisha, but some of you may know her as Owan. So here she is. Hello. <laughs> um, Besides being an amazing woman, she is also a midwife, a mother, a photographer, a business owner, and all of these things. So in today's episode, we are going to take a deep dive into the phrase strong black woman, and we're also going to take a look at the biases in healthcare. So, Owan, before we jump into this, I would like to give you a chance to introduce yourself and tell us how you got into the healthcare industry. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, yeah, so... I, my name is Keisha, also known as Owon. Um, oh my gosh, I've been saying it wrong. I'm so sorry. I've been saying fine. Owon. It's Owon. Yes. Okay, y'all, Owon. If you're like me, I was well, saying Owon. My bad. I'm so sorry. Yeah, and that's, that's a story <laughs> for another day because people are like, you know, where, where do you get your name Owon from? If you go by Keisha and all the things, it's like, uh, just like we were saying just a minute ago, if you know me by Keisha, you can call me Keisha. If you know me by Owon, you call me Owon. So. Okay. Um, yeah, I am a Tulsa native, born and raised, um, descendant of Black Wall Street, uh, Greenwood, all, all the things that um, some will expect from a um, Black native living in Tulsa. Um, and as you said, I am a mom of two, soon to be three. I'm not pregnant. I am adopting uh, my little cousin. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah, I'm that's excited. Awesome. Like that's that's I call him my new son, but <laughs> he's definitely my little cousin, and I just love him to pieces. Um, awesome. Attended his birth um, as a doula, that's awesome. and so to you know assist my aunt and all the things, and just life and adversity, and like you said, the things that we're going to dive into as far as uh, growing up the way that we grew up and all the challenges we've had to face. Um, those challenges, you know, sometimes carry us into adulthood. And so that's how I ended up with my little cousin, but I'm excited. Um, aside from that, I am a serial entrepreneur. Um, aside from being a midwife, also have a catering company. I started doing business or started my first business, if I'm not mistaken, when I was 19. Okay. Um, doing bath bombs and organic like skincare and all that, all that jazz. And so I've always had like a knack for business mm -hmm. and, um, just a passion for being an entrepreneur and, and working for myself. I've never liked working for anybody else. I'm very independent, very stubborn, and a little controlling. I like stuff my way, you yeah. know? Like, I want, I want to make the rules, <laughs> and I want to break the rules, but I want to make my own rules. Um, and, yeah, so, you know, at this time, I'm actually still working a, a full-time job while I am finishing up my midwifery career, um, but in the midst of all of that as a business owner, like I'm bootstrapping a lot um, because another um, 
like bump in the road that black women and black entrepreneurs come across is that the lack of funding that we receive, things yes. like that. So, mm -hmm. you know, I just, I chose a little bit of a hard path, but it's okay, because I'm strong enough to, to do it. Um, I think that's, I don't know, what else? I think that's it. That's pretty much about me. Okay, well, okay. Um, I'm not sure if you answered the, the, uh, how you got into the healthcare industry, so you okay, can no. Yes, so I got into the healthcare industry when I was 15 years old. That was the when I attended my very first hospital birth. Okay. And birth has never, never, ever scared me. It's always been like a natural physiologic process for me. I've always understood it to be that way. And that's not even something that I was taught growing mm -hmm. up. Um, it's just something that literally, and I tell people this, like you're born a midwife, you're not made to be a midwife, you know, like your midwives are born. Okay. <laughs> so I knew, I always knew that I was either gonna be a lawyer, uh -huh. because I like to argue, <laughs> and I like to debate, or I was gonna deliver babies, because okay. you know, I love, I love um, pregnant women, and I love like baby kicks, and I love um, making sure that moms are healthy, and yeah. I've always been this way, I've always been a nurturer, I've always been very empathetic and just okay. a caretaker for people. Yeah. So ended up being a midwife. I love it. Wouldn't change it. I might still go to law school. Who knows? Who we'll knows? see. Won't but we? I got into the <laughs> I got to the healthcare industry. Um, I would say at 15. Like I actually count that experience from yeah. 15 all the way up until I started midwifery school, all the way up until now. Um, and so I started as just. Um, a family support person for like anybody in my family that would go into labor, they would call me. Okay. Everybody called Keisha. My family calls me Keisha. Um, and then it went into my friends. Once we start getting to childbearing age or like, you know, doing things, you know, uh -huh. um, my friends would call me. And so I was attending births in high school with, with friends, um, that had kids in high school and I loved it. Awesome. And so I officially like, um, became a certified, a full spectrum doula at, I don't even know how old I was, maybe 2021. Okay. Um, and then that just, it just continued from there, but I always knew that I was going to, it, so I didn't always know that I was gonna be a midwife though. Mm -hmm. um, as a, so after becoming a doula, I actually went to community college to get my nursing degree. Okay. And then I was eventually gonna go to medical school to be an OBGYN. Uh -huh. But my great grandmother, who I had lived with for a very long time um, in high school, and this was even after she prophesied to me that I was gonna be a midwife, I still was just like, but doctors make more money and like, you know, I don't know where to go to be a midwife. And so mm -hmm. like that process and becoming a midwife is not well known. And yeah. so it wasn't until like two years ago that I actually found out, okay, this is how, these are the steps you take to become a midwife. Um, so I ended up like, I actually ended up failing out of school a couple of times mm -hmm. trying to become a nurse. And I was just like, I just, I don't know if this is for me. And it wasn't that I don't know the work or like I'm not smart. It was that I was dealing with ADHD, depression, bipolar, yeah. um, bipolar depression, mm -hmm. which, Later at 25 years, 26 is when I was actually um, diagnosed with all that stuff. So I had underlying things I didn't know about. Yeah. But at the same time, even with that, um, I started my midwifery schooling in mm -hmm. the midst of still not being diagnosed with those things. Um, but midwifery just came easy to me. Like it was just second nature. Okay. Seriously second nature. So that's pretty much how I got started. That's awesome. So been doing it, I'm 27 now. Been doing it since I was 15. Um, and I'm honored. I like, I wouldn't, I would not choose to do anything else. 
but maybe besides law. But <laughs> I wouldn't choose to do anything else. I love That's it. That's awesome. Okay, one thing before we move on to the next thing. Can you describe the difference between doula and, am I saying it right, doula? Mm-hmm. And uh, a midwife. Yes. So a doula is an emotional uh, support person. Okay. Um, and so you do get certified to become a doula, uh, but you're not licensed to become a doula. So um, that, I would say, would be the difference. I don't like bringing up, like, Western medicine to compare it. Okay. But the doula, in a sense, would not, it, it would be like a nurse and a doctor versus a nurse and a doctor. Okay. But doulas do not do any medical. Gotcha. Um, they don't practice any medicine. Gotcha. So they're there to like help you with position changes, helping you, like coaching you through your contractions, um, doing um, like hip squeezes and things like that. And then us really just there to support the family, making sure that the family is getting their voice heard. Okay. They're there to provide them the information and assist them in making educated decisions, things like that. Okay. Um, and then there's also like above a doula would be like a birth assistant, mm -hmm. which is the doula to the midwife. Okay. I call birth assistants midwives doulas because okay. the birth assistant is charting for the midwife. They're making sure the midwife is taking baby's heart tones. They're making sure, um, I think I said charting, but they're like keeping documentation of everything going on throughout the labor and delivery. And then just keeping a midwife somewhat accountable to, to their decisions. Like they should have um, enough knowledge to say, hey, I noticed that you um, like gave this baby an APGAR score of a seven. Um, you know, maybe we should recheck that or something. It, it really just depends. So okay. there's also a birth assistance and then there's a midwife. The midwife is the actual practitioner. Okay. So I'm in the trenches with the mama catching the baby. Okay. Listen, I don't been in birth pools with my, from stomach up, I'm in the water pretty much with him because I'm so short. So I'm yeah. like, <laughs> Like diving into the pool trying to catch this baby, it's crazy. But that's that's what I do, and so I also do like the newborn exams, and okay. I check mom's um, perineum and her vagina, and check for tears, and I do sutures okay. and like wow. blood pressure. All like I'm the medical provider. So that's awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, thanks for clearing that of up. That, thanks for clearing that up. Okay, so we are going to move on to the topic of a strong black woman. So um, I've used this phrase several times with my black girlfriends mm -hmm. and thinking back on it I probably shouldn't have said that after doing this research because it kind of took away their chance to be vulnerable with me and just kind of have that moment with me so telling them that they're a strong black woman and they can mm -hmm. tough it up was probably not the best thing I could do as a, a friend so um when I think of a strong black woman, I think of like this superhero. She's got an afro, she's got her fist up in the air, yeah. you know, her cape is flowing. And so when I don't, what I don't think of when I hear the phrase a strong black woman is someone who can be vulnerable, mm -hmm. someone who can, you know, take that cape off. So um, when you hear the, the phrase strong black woman or when someone refers to you as a strong black woman, how does that make you feel? Um literally exactly what you just said it, but it depends on the context um but i i think it's great that you were able to like like realize within yourself like okay i was a little wrong in that i could i probably should have said something else to kind of give them a pep talk um it depends in which like the context that it's used but generally society does look at black women as able to take on more than what we're, like they look at us as inhuman, mm -hmm. unfortunately. And yeah. that has had 
super negative consequences for us, especially in the medical field, which I know we're going to get to. Mm -hmm. But that's that's why that phrase is dangerous because we're not able to be vulnerable. We're not able to show pain. We're not able to show emotion mm -hmm. as much. We're immediately like labeled um, the angry black woman because when we're not being strong and we're showing emotion, oh, we're angry. <laughs> exactly. You have to say nothing. So um, when I think of that phrase or when somebody calls me a strong black woman, I'm like, Thanks, but no thanks. Mm, you know, exactly. like, exactly. and you know, lately on TikTok and just on social media, all black women are like chasing after that soft life because we deserve that. Yes. And yes. this just also brings, um, this brings up the fact that also I've been seeing a lot of social media posts about like women actually fought to work. And it's like, no, black women have always worked. Mm -hmm. We didn't fight to work. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that was, that was white women, you know, that fought to have the same. Yes. Type, yes. of, type of power and control. Mm -hmm. So like I've been seeing posts about like, um, I can't believe women fought to go to work and it's like, well, hold up, pump your brakes because black women have always worked. We have always worked. We've always had to do things that other women have not have, have had to do, unfortunately. And I'll say, I'll say that for women of color in general. Yes. Um, so well, yeah, when, you, when somebody calls me a strong black woman, I'm just like, thanks, but no thanks because that doesn't allow me or give me the opportunity to be human, mm -hmm. to be a woman, yes. to, be vulnerable, um, but then if it if I am talking to another black woman and she sees all the adversity and stuff that I'm going through and all the stress and I got man problems and my kids stress me out and my job got me messed up, can we cuss? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, be you. Listen, be you. <laughs> I curse like a sailor. I curse like a sailor. Um, so it depends. So if my friend is telling me, like, you know, you, you, I understand exactly what you're, what you're going through, but you are a strong black woman. And um, although you're having a hard time right now, you're going to persevere and you're going to push through like you always do. Mm -hmm. And yes, society is fucked up and they don't give us mm -hmm. a chance to make, they don't even give us a chance to really make mistakes within those, within those moments because we're supposed to be so strong. Yeah. So it's just all, all around just a negative connotation. It just should not be used. <laughs> Should not be used. Perfectly explained. Yeah. Okay, I got another question for you. So how does the expectation to be a strong black woman affect our mental health as black women? Woo! <laughs> Let me tell you something. So since we are talking about mental health, like I mentioned earlier, um, I have been diagnosed with bipolar depression, mm -hmm. um, severe anxiety, ADHD, and OCD. I forgot about OCD. Mm -hmm. um, and I think because being black as a, as a young girl you are automatically entered into a society that is looking at you differently than other people and so you're literally raised with the stigma that like um you have to be 10 times as good as others to get the recognition you deserve you have to carry yourself a different way or you'll be victim blamed for whatever unfortunately may happen to you, you know, and mm -hmm. then we're over sexualized and all the things from a very early age. Oh my goodness. So um, the, the toll that that takes on our mental health is just, I really can't even, can't even put it into words. Yeah. It's something that like, unless your mother and your father are aware of those stigmas, and unless like just the people that love and support you and are around you are aware of those stigmas um, in order to protect you from it, then you're gonna, you're most likely going to encounter it, mm -hmm. which in turn will affect your mental health because you feel it. Like it's an energy surrounded by you as you walk out the door every single day. You know, as a black woman, you, even down to our hair, 
Yeah. Even down to our hair. Mm -hmm. Like, we going into a job where we feel like we got to um, press our hair. We got to yeah. have straight hair to be taken seriously, to be, mm -hmm. you know, otherwise we're going to be called a Nubian queen. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I almost said, I almost said the N word. I ain't going to say it. But, excuse me. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. so stuff like that just takes a really heavy toll on your <sighs> mental health because it's like, we can't even just exist. And we, you get mad, you know, you get mad oh. just talking about it because you was like, yeah, I didn't I didn't have that happen. And I used to be, um, Lord, me. I'm only 27, but I have lived multiple lives by yeah. now, and it's so funny. Um, but I used to be the one that weared afros uh -huh. and my big hoops, and I've shaved my head and I had big hoops, things like that. Um, and so just down to, like, the different hairstyles that you get, really, really, it, it does, that does depict how you're going to be treated mm -hmm. so the fact that we we just have to think about everything from our looks to the way we talk to the how our tone of voice and all the things for us to just man you know, come on you get what i'm saying you're diving in I, yeah because i'm listen <laughs> i'm passionate about this subject I, I am a girl's girl i love me some black women yes i love uplifting black women i love standing up for us i love making sure we get what we deserve i love making sure that we're taking care of our mental health but yes. that we are aware that we're confident so all of this stuff is like, I've learned it, one, through experience, and then I learned it just because it's like, from those experiences, I don't want anybody else to go through it. Yes. So like, you know, why did I have this experience and why is this the way life is, especially being a mom to black children? Yes. I'm like, for one, I don't want my son perpetuating these things in society that make black women uncomfortable. And I want him to be, I want him to be a girl's girl. I want my son to be a feminist, okay? <laughs> I want him, you know, I, I, I can't do, I can't do the misogyny. Yeah. And then I just want my daughter to be not a strong black woman, but I want her to be, to just be able to be. Yes. Just whatever you want to be, I want you to be able to be that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm going to protect that for mm -hmm. both of my kids, you know? Um, so yeah, I'm very, I'm, I'm so passionate about yes. that. Oh my gosh. You went. You, I hope that you answered your question. Oh, it did. Okay. It did. Because <laughs> I forgot the question as I started talking. I was like, now wait a minute. No, you did. Okay, let's see. Oh, I did want to say when you were touching on the hair topic, you, I know we, we both experienced this, but whether it's in class or at a job to where you come in with a new hairstyle and they're like, oh, almost didn't recognize you. Or you got, I like the new, the new hair today. I like the new do. Like, <laughs> listen, it's. I went to a predominantly white high school, and I ain't gonna say their name, but oh my gosh, when I first started at that school, it was sixth grade, I came with blue and black braids. Uh-huh. So I went from a girl being raised in North Tulsa, mm -hmm. the hood, um, around nothing but black people, you know, blackity, 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 black, <laughs> to being like one of three mm -hmm. black students in a yep. predominantly white school. And so when I came with my blue and black braids, they were like, who is this girl? <laughs> How did you do that? What is going yeah. on? Yeah. Uh -huh. And just, yes, even from jobs, things like that. And I call out to work to get my braids. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I did for these. Because that's, a, it's, that's, that take it take all day okay but yes yes yeah. like I definitely encountered that mm -hmm. um growing up as a kid and as a young woman going into the workforce yeah. like you come in with a different um sewing and different length or whatever mm -hmm. and they're like your hair grew overnight shut up like you know like you know come on now 
I think I think I think it's jealousy though, because we could split up. We, we not split up. We can switch up our um, hairstyle yeah. as uh-huh. often as we want to, and our hair is not gonna break off. Sometimes mm-hmm. it would. Well, now, you, you know, know, depending on where it's depends. Go. <laughs> like, don't be don't be bleaching your hair every dang yeah. week. But you can switch up your hairstyle just about mm-hmm. as much as you want to, and still look good. Yeah, good. There is not. I don't think one hairstyle on that doesn't look good on black women. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like I. I don't know. People might disagree. Yeah. But I can't. I can't think of it. Can't think of it either. We can pull it off a lot. Shave our hair. We can <laughs> grow our hair. We can wear a wig. It can be straight. It can be an afro. It can be curly. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah. Blonde. We can wear blonde <laughs> and kill it. So. Okay. All right. Um, okay. So what is a way we can celebrate being vulnerable within the black community? Because I feel like, like you say, there's this expectation to be strong as black women. So how can we, instead of celebrating being strong, how can we celebrate being vulnerable? What are ways we can go about doing that within our community? I actually think that starts with black families and the black community allowing little boys to cry and show emotion. Because, I don't know, like, and and I think, so I think, yeah, that's going to that's gonna have to encompass everybody. Um, I think it, it, we would have to start with allowing little boys to show emotion and be vulnerable and cry, um, but then just kind of helping them to navigate their emotions. So I definitely am a positive and gentle parent, or at least I try to be. I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't pop my kids a couple times. I can admit that, you know? <laughs> but as far as it comes with emotions and things like that, I'm just like, oh my gosh, you're having some big emotions. Like you have to pity kids, you know, to mm-hmm. let them know like it's okay for you to show emotion, but let's see if we can walk you through them. Mm-hmm. Teach them how to problem solve, they, problem solve their emotions because by not doing that, you're teaching them to bottle it up and then it comes out in violent or unhealthy ways. And then now they addicted to substances and now they hitting on people yeah. and all the things. So it starts at an early age and it starts, I think it does start with little boys. Um, so yes, yeah, so like with, with my kids, especially with my son and now my little cousin, I'm like, hey, you're having some big feelings. Let's see if we can calm them down just a little bit so we can get your thoughts in order. Mm-hmm. So let's take, let's count down from 10. Let's take some deep breaths. And then can you use your words and tell mommy what's going on? People that didn't get that growing up, including me, I, even now with my partner, we'll be arguing and like, if we having too deep of a conversation or something, I start to shut down. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't do this no more. Yeah. Because I don't have the, I, I have these emotions, but I don't have the words to tell you, like, exactly what I'm yes. feeling. Yes. Um, even, even though he gives me that space to be vulnerable and, like, mm-hmm. you know, express how I'm feeling with no judgment, things like that. It's still just, like, I was never really taught the words to use when I'm feeling like, you know, and not to go into my relationship issues, but, like, I, like it wasn't my intention to hurt my partner, but I hurt your feelings, and now I feel bad about mm-hmm. it. And so... I can say that now that I'm outside of the conversation because mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a recent conversation. <laughs> but it's like I was never taught how to do that within the situation. Yeah. Like, you know, so mm-hmm. that's definitely a way. And then even with little girls, it's like, yeah, it is expected for us to uh, be more uh, emotional, especially with our cycles and things like that. Mm-hmm. But even down to like, with our cycles like you are going to get emotional at this like because a cycle is not just you bleeding for the month yeah like your yeah. cycle is the whole month yes. and, and the different phases of your cycle yes so you have to know your body enough and know like okay at and at this point in my at my in my cycle and don't i don't remember the names of the phases it's like lunar 
lunar, follicular, and all the things. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but like, before you actually start um, menstruating, you are in your ovulation phase, yes. with that, mm -hmm. which I believe is the follicular phase. Um, you, are, you are more friendly, mm -hmm. and you may even be more turned on and things mm -hmm. like that. And you do want to be around people because you have all this good energy coming from you. Yeah. But then a week before your ovulation, you're probably, or like after your ovulation, when your period's coming, you're probably moody, crampy, hungry, you want chocolate, blah, blah, blah. So that's probably a time that you shouldn't be around people so that you're not getting into emotional mm -hmm. conversations and arguments, things like that, because you're easy to trigger. So it, it comes down to education. Yes. It comes down to education. Um, that's really it because, and then people that generally care for you and, and being able to have those non-judgmental spaces for the people you care about to be vulnerable and not holding that against them later when you get mad at them. Mm -hmm. it, it's a lot. It, I knew that, you were I'm like just the like, perfect person for this specific topic because when I tell you, you are touching all of the points. I'm glad because I'm, <laughs> I'm so passionate about it because it's so, this literally came from experience. Like, um, I didn't have a lot of the stuff that I'm providing to my kids now. And it's like, yeah. I knew the love that I was missing because I just innately, I'm just very self-aware. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's like, I know how to tell somebody how to love me and things like that. And yeah. so I'm teaching my kids all the different ways that there are to love and mm -hmm. they get to choose how they want to be loved, you know, in general. But I'm just trying to keep it healthy for them. That's awesome. Like, you can come to me. I am your best friend. I don't know why people say, like, I'm not my, my kid's friend. Well, they're going to be going to make friends with another adult that's mm. going to be having them doing crazy stuff. Mm. So I, even with my kids, have to give them a non-judgmental space to, yeah. to just unleash. Um, and that just is what it is. So, I mean, yeah. my kids are young, too. But I do have a 13-year-old stepdaughter from my previous relationship. Mm -hmm. And so even with her, it's like I try to make sure she knows. You can come talk to me about any boy, any girl, mm -hmm. whatever the heck, like just anything mm -hmm. because if you don't come talk to me first you're gonna go get some wrong advice from somebody yeah. else and i don't want that and that's what happened to me yeah i was getting horrible advice mm. from people just doing the most <laughs> <laughs> the most okay so thank you for that when yeah. i say you touched every point you did an amazing job just diving thank into you. that um so now we're going to talk about the biases in the healthcare system mm -hmm. so um personally I've felt that whenever I've been to doctor's appointments or dentist appointments or whatever it is, I felt like my appointments were rushed through and that I wasn't getting the attention I felt I deserved. Um, and I don't know if whether it was because my color, my gender, the type of insurance I had, whatever the case may be, I just felt like I wasn't getting that attention that I deserved. Um, so can you share any personal thoughts or experiences um, that you've had within the healthcare system that you felt was wasn't right, or you know, was biased, or whatever that you felt you weren't getting the right attention. Talk mm -hmm. about that. Um. So I don't know if I had if I have had a personal experience versus me witnessing other people's experience and having to advocate for them when I like, especially when I was a doula. As a midwife, I do a lot of home birth and like. We, we have a small team and it's like, we are so close. We build relationships with the mom where it's like, we trust what she's saying. She knows her body, she knows her baby, she knows her husband, she mm -hmm. knows what's gonna happen in her birth space. And so as a doula, um, I have had to advocate for moms in that, um, you know, a mom is like, she wants to do skin to skin right after baby's born and, but doctor, not doctor, but the nurses or like the, um, 
uh, the baby nurses and things like that. They're like, well, we want to get baby dried off and cleaned up and blah, 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 because they may feel tired or they don't want to come back to the room or mm-hmm. they got other people about to give birth, other mommies about to give birth. And it's like, okay, I get that, but this is, this is this mom, this yeah. is right now. Like, mm-hmm. we're not worried about what your schedule is. This is this mom's labor and delivery, and this is her experience, and mm-hmm. this is your job. So um, I've just had to kind of, like, politely, like, because in the birth space, you don't want to. Right. Because I can be, like, <laughs> you know, I can give you every, yeah. every which way. I can be nice about it, or I can be stern about it, or I can be a bitch about it, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. But in the birth and space, as a doula, you do want to learn to um, not make the space a combative space. Yes. And so just those gentle reminders to nurses, like, Oh, hey, I see you're taking baby, but mom wanted baby to come up on her chest. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, but we, no, but, mm-hmm, I understand. But mom wants, mom wants baby on her chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Got, and I got to use that voice. Oh, yeah, I definitely get it. But yeah, she wants mom on, she wants baby on her chest. Yes. Oh, I see you're about to cut the umbilical cord. Is it done pulsating? Yeah. Is it done pulsating? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, not quite. Okay, well then, you know, yeah, let's mm-hmm. just, let's just leave it. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine, you know. Um, and so, and this has been with white moms and, and black moms, whatever, mm. like I've just had to like make sure moms could like is, is for one able to give consent to mm. whatever is going on yes. and then also having her, her wishes made. But as far as me, um, because I have been a doula since I was 15 and I like have witnessed a lot, I was, I feel like a little bit more. I was more educated than the people that I served a little bit and like what my rights are mm-hmm. and what, why am I burping? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what my rights are in like the role of the doctor or the nurses or whoever that I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, um, in when I had my son, my, so my son was born in the hospital. My daughter was born at home mm-hmm. with my hospital birth. I just was, I looked up and got like an amazing doctor who yeah. listened to me. She was a white woman. She listened to me, things like that. But um, I still made sure that I was just listened to because it's like, and I, and I did tell her like right out the bat, and it's like, if this is something you can't do, then I'm just going to find another doctor that can mm-hmm. because I know that I'm low risk. This is, I'm a first time mom. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not getting induced. I'm not doing none of that. But I've had doctors on the flip side with, with patients that's like, oh, this baby's going to be really big. Um, we mm. probably should induce you at 38, 39 weeks. And I'm like, wait, 38, 39. What, what? Why is why are you saying the baby is big? Like, give the mommy the actual facts and yeah. why you're saying the baby is big, and give her a chance to go and do the research, and then y'all come back and make it a conversation. It's never a conversation with doctors. It seems like yeah. they're telling you what they're gonna yeah. what they're gonna do. And so, me having that education, I never had anybody tell me anything. I always told the doctors what, mm-hmm. and I always um, encourage my uh, clients to tell the doctors what it's going to be and what it's not going to be. And even as a midwife, I'm telling my clients, you tell me what it's going to be and what it's not going to be. I'm going to recommend because I'm the professional and I did study to do this, but you also are the most knowledgeable about your body, yes. especially if you are um, uh, a multi mom where you've had, you've had multiple births, yeah. you know how your yeah, birth and your sure. labor is going to go. So you know what you can tolerate, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, and so I don't, so I do know that a lot of it is due to bias. There have been studies about it. There are statistics out, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like, we know now, everybody knows now because of the documentary, hopefully that everybody's seen, Aftershock, where 
they were here filming in Tulsa, and Tulsa has some of the worst black maternal mortality rates and black fetal maternal mortality rates. Um, and this is due to a bias, especially being in the Bible Belt, where they feel like, again, we're strong black women, we don't have mm. the same pain receptors as white mm. women, and we don't feel as much, and um, we basically we can take it. Like, yeah. we can take it. Like, mm. they still, in a way, um, look at us like those strong slaves that were yeah. able to take lashings and mm -hmm. be out in the field all all day and night or, you know, just the whole nine. So it is due to some biases. And there have been studies written and published that said they um, questioned medical students about, you know, do you think it was just like, how, how do you think a black woman's pain tolerance is compared to a white woman's? And Dang near all of them, unless, unless they was black, said, yeah, black people can take more pain. We yeah. don't believe that they, they feel. Black, black people don't feel as much pain as white people. And That's you're touching these... on something we're going to hop into after this. You're cool, already touching cause, on it. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot of biases. Yes. And it comes from racism. It comes from stereotypes. Yep. It comes from um, prejudice, all the things. And it's because they were raised that way, to believe that way. And mm -hmm. then it just carries on into the medical field because that's the career that they chose. Mm -hmm. And so they already don't look at us like we're humans. We're superhuman to them. So a mom could be like, yo, these contractions freaking hurt. And they're like, oh, you're just out of three. You're just out of four. No, that shit hurt. Mm -hmm. Have you, if you, and then, and then it'd be the nurses that ain't never had kids themselves. Yeah. And it's like, have you ever had a baby trying to come out your coochie? Mm -hmm. The shit hurt. <laughs> That's what, you better wait to have kids. Yeah. It hurts. Wait, wait, stay way so, over there. Yes. It, I definitely think that there's some bias and, um, there's not enough DEI trainings and biases trainings and stuff in hospitals. I definitely think there needs to be more. I do think midwives are a part of the solution. Doulas are definitely a part of the solution because there also are biased midwives out there. So it's not just, you mm -hmm. know, it's not, yeah. it's all the way around. It's, mm -hmm. a, um, it's a systemic issue yeah. more so than like, it's a systemic and it's a person. It's a person by, it's person by person. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what is one thing healthcare providers can do to make sure black women feel safe and heard within these spaces? Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Come on, let us have it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think being more um, trying, so if they don't know if they have these biases, then trying to figure out what biases they have. There are tests out there, like there's yes. personality tests. Mm -hmm. You can discover what your biases are. So if it's something you're passionate about, and you're like, I don't want to inflict pain on anybody, let alone specifically not a black, a black lady that's already coming in scared. Mm -hmm. So if that's what you want to do, then find out what your biases are, your underlying biases, your overt, covert, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like just find out, like do some self-discovery. Um, and then also be up to date on the statistics for, you know, uh, black women and families and children and just how different our bodies are compared to, I'll say everybody else's, um, so that you are more knowledgeable because there are, there are studies out there that say like, um, you know, like black women tend to have um, more high blood pressure, things like that mm -hmm. in labor um, or just throughout pregnancy, things like that. So just being aware of those things. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Just being aware of those things, being more aware of those things. And um, you can still be professional as a doctor or in the healthcare system or as a midwife or whatever, but building those genuine relationships to where like 
you, um, for one, are not just doing the job for the money or the pay that it's giving yeah. you, but because you actually do care about these people. But I think it starts with finding out what your biases are, and then we can go from there. Because mm -hmm. people do not want to acknowledge that they have a bias. They don't want to admit that they're racist. Mm -hmm. Like, none of the things. And you know what? And it's like, as much, yes, you can, give, you can get a lawsuit filed against you for saying, you know, I don't want to accept any black clients. But I would prefer for somebody to be outright be like, yeah. I'm racist. I don't want to deal yeah. with your kind. For real. <laughs> Please go find another doctor. <laughs> Please. Say less, baby. Because you ain't about to kill me because you don't like me. <laughs> Say less. So if if people could just be honest yeah oh my gosh but as a midwife what i um do i have a like 90 something page client binder full of information general information um outside of like special or um emergency situations that i know as a midwife and i'm sharing that with my clients mm -hmm. so it's like you have information at your fingertips just like i can so if you disagree with a decision that i'm giving you you are empowered um, to question that and say, well, why do you think that? Or why do you think that's what's best for me? And I welcome those conversations. Yeah. So being welcoming of that conversation of somebody questioning you, even if you feel like they don't have as much education as you, yeah. will gear them up with the education. Mm -hmm. Because that'd be the, the thing, it'd be people's egos. And they're like, I don't want people questioning me yeah. about my decisions. Like I went to, I went through eight years of medical school mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's fine, but you still don't know everything. And y'all still be Googling. Mm -hmm. Doctors still be Googling. <laughs> Midwives Google. <laughs> Like, we're a human. It's not yeah. capable, for, capable for us to hold all that information. So just being more open. Um, but I'm also a very spiritual person, and I'm very, very... People would say, uh, I think people that are close to me would describe me as more naive than anything mm -hmm. because I believe in a utopian society <laughs> and I think that everything is all rainbows and butterflies. <laughs> I, I do keep a little cognitive dissonance between some things because it would drive me mad, but yeah. I'm still aware mm -hmm. of it. But I do think that if people just did the work on themselves to actually be better people, it would just in turn yeah. make life so much better for mm -hmm. everybody. Like, oh my gosh. And if you still, after you do that work, decide you don't like black people, don't work with us. <laughs> don't work with us. But I think that's what people could do. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a good answer. I like that. Thank you. Um, okay. <laughs> we're going to move into the next section. You already touched on this, but um, we're going to touch on it some more. So I'm going to ask you three true or false don't just try not to look I'm at the screen. Okay. <laughs> I'm not looking. I haven't looked at the time because I'm like, I don't even want to read it. Mm -mm. <laughs> you all already know you're going to get them all right because of what you've already said previously. But okay. So I'm going to ask you three true or false questions. And if you get them all right, okay. you and our listeners will get a chance to win a percent off ambitiouslymadeshop.com. Ambitiously Made is a proud sponsor of the Breaking Expectations podcast. Ambitiously Made is an online boutique for women aging 18 to 35 who love shopping online. We provide a variety of products, including hand-pressed t-shirts, hoodies, two-piece sets, and dresses. Be sure to visit us at ambitiouslymadeshop.com and follow us on Instagram at ambitiouslymadeshop. Come Through Tulsa is a proud sponsor of Breaking Expectations. Come Through Tulsa is the studio that produced this podcast. They do everything from filming to recording to editing. Be sure to book Come Through Tulsa when starting your new podcast. Come, T-H-R-U, Tulsa.com. You ready? Yes. True or false? Physicians are twice as likely to underestimate a black patient's pain. Uh, definitely true. 
And I don't know if it's even twice as like, I feel like it's a hundred times more. <laughs> nah, I'm kidding. Yeah, it is definitely true. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I already knew you were gonna get that one right. True or false? If a medical provider has false beliefs about biological differences between blacks and whites, it can influence how they treat a patient's pain. Definitely true. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely true because, wait a minute. I'm going to let you finish. No, I ain't going to expand. No, but go yes. ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yes, because that's where the whole, like, they don't, something in they stupid ass brains just don't think we got the same pain receptors or something. And I'm like, I really, and I really do want to, um, I love diving into people's minds. So I actually want to sit with somebody that did that study that said, you know, why they think black people and black women don't feel mm -hmm. as much pain to discover, like, why do you think that? Right. And I, I guarantee you, like, nine times out of ten, it's not going to be nothing that they read. It's literally going to be based off biases, how mm -hmm. they were raised, and how mm -hmm. they were raised to see black people. That's just it. Yep. So it's, oh, it's annoying. Okay, one more question. Yes. True or false? Studies have shown that African-American people have a higher tolerance of pain when compared to their white counterparts. False. Boom. Come on now. Yes, but because th that's where the bias come from. <laughs> that was easy, girl. Yeah, I'm glad I, I want us some shirts, y'all. We got, we, got we got a percentage off, baby. Scroll down just a little bit, Jay. <laughs> He's playing like this cheering sound over there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You, you do have to add that. You got to add that to the video. Oh, I did get them all right. Yes, you did. I knew you were when you touched on it earlier. I was like, she's already diving into it. She doesn't even know these are the questions I'm going to be asking. She's going to get them all right. I already all of know. Because these people got us fucked up. So um, based on these questions, I feel like these are the reasons the strong, uh, the strong black woman stereotype or the strong black woman phrase can be negative and have a negative effect on us because studies have already shown that this is how people are thinking. They believe that we are stronger physically, mentally, and that can affect the decisions they're making within the healthcare system. So I've never heard this phrase, a strong white woman. So I feel like we need to be very selective when we're using the phrase, a strong black woman. Right? Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, what you just said, it was like a light bulb moment for me. I've never heard nobody say strong white woman. Ever. It don't even sound right. I'm sorry, it don't sound right. It, it, don't, it doesn't sound right. Yes, but that's exactly where all of this comes from. And you know what, like, and this is like a, um, I'm not sure, I haven't read all the studies, but I like reading, I like reading studies mm -hmm. and experiments, things like that. And I do believe that because black people are like the original people, like black women are the original mother, like, mm -hmm. you know, we carry the Eve's gene, things like that. And so we are chemically made up differently than other races. Like, yeah. that's just facts. You, you know, I ain't trying to spit no um, <laughs> hotep type things. I'm not Eve hotep, okay? These are facts. <laughs> Listen, I gotta make that clear. Okay. <laughs> These are facts. Like, uh, black people are made up differently. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, but that doesn't mean that we, I mean, I feel like, and I, I think, and I've just read theories about, like, you know, where does racism stem from, things like that. And I think that's exactly where racism stems from is because. Um, although black people may not be aware of this and our power and things like that, especially spiritually, a lot of other people are, and that's why we are hit with so much because they're trying to bring that power down. Wow. So, yeah, like it literally, all of this stuff, because like I said, I'm a very spiritual person. All of that stuff is just very spiritual, mm -hmm. and it's all about like just 
just people, just black people just being more aware of, you know, who we are, where we come from, the power we do possess, the, what our bodies are made out of, mm-hmm. um, and just uh, all the things. So I definitely agree with that. Awesome. Yeah. So I like to call this part of the podcast Empowered Endings because yeah. it gives our guest speakers, you, <laughs> to give the listeners um, a quote or just final thoughts that leaves them feeling empowered. So give you a second to think about what you want to say and then let us have it. Okay. Yeah. So my, my thing that, um, I I take that question as to say like, what, what would I want people to take away from this podcast? Educate yourself, pick up a book, read some studies, go read some statistics, especially, um, you know, as a midwife, if you are a mother, you're a pregnant mother, you want to become a mother and you are a father, you want to become a father, um, and you want to make sure that you are supporting the, the woman that you have impregnated or want to start a family with, educate yourself. Educate yourself because you, nobody can tell you anything when you also have the facts. Like nobody can put anything in your head if you haven't also done the study in yourself. So it's, that's important to me. Just educate yourself. Pick up a book. Like that. I like that. Yeah. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Breaking Expectations. Now I want to hear from you all. Did you agree or disagree with what we talked about today? If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to leave your thoughts in the comment section below. If you need any of the services that Owon provides, you can check out her information in the description below. Again, I'm your host, Janae. This is Keisha. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.